0: mindfulness mode
1: that is a gift actually that you're giving not only to yourself you're giving it to others
0: reach new heights of calm focus and happiness here on mindfulness mode with me your host and mindfulness life coach bruce langford hey mindful tribe do you ever feel this this longing to connect to connect with more people and to connect on a deeper level whether it's at work or at home or with your family. You know, so often our connections with people are more on the superficial level than they are on the real deep, meaningful level. And you'll be glad to know that today I have an amazing guest with me who is an expert at connecting, and she has sadly experienced her own loneliness journey and I'm sure that's what's taught her how to connect and she received inspiration from her grandma Helga and of course she has all kinds of background and experiences which helped her along the way in order to formulate the five elements of soulful listening so I'm going to do my best to be a soulful listener. I'm here today with Terry Lanowski. Terry, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: I am, Bruce. I am all in mindfulness mode.
0: Well, it's great to have you here. And I can't wait to learn about your journey and your work. But first, tell us what mindfulness means to you.
1: Mm, mindfulness is the beautiful presence that we can, can create for ourselves and for others. It's being fully aware and in our bodies and available for what's before us without judgment, just being open and really, really tuned in. That's what mindfulness means to me.
0: And you've learned how to tune in. Tell us about your your journey and tell us about that time that you experienced such loneliness in your life.
1: Okay, thank you for asking that um, quality question. It began back where I grew up. From the, from the age of three on, I lived in a mansion. The, the top floor of a mansion. When I say second floor, what I mean is my family had purchased this mansion and created a business. And it was a thriving restaurant with all sorts of noise and clanging and loud late night bar crowds right beneath my bedroom every night. And I'm more of a, I have more of a quiet temperament. And so for me, that was a very torturous environment to grow up in. And I found myself feeling great loneliness and uncertainty and just really not having a place to turn to feel like I belonged, except there was one person where I did feel that way. And that was my grandma Helga and in her presence you would feel like the rest of the world had disappeared that you were in this safe warm bubble of understanding and with her and with other soulful listening conversations one soulful listening conversation can change the trajectory of a person's life for the better and my experience with that was when i was a high school senior. And we went to my high school guidance counselor to have that conversation about what's next, what's next. And to me, he said, Terry, you're a small town girl. You get lost in a big city like Lincoln, Nebraska. You need to go to secretarial school and work for your family restaurant. And for anybody that knows me, that would have been the worst career path ever. (laughs) We all have different strengths. That's not one of mine. And so I tossed and turned and I went to my grandma Helga and I said, you know, this is what's been, you know, kind of told to me, what do you think? And she sat back and there were aromas from the kitchen. Had she been cooking? And she sat down with just me tuned in and said these words of wisdom. Terry, look at all I've done without education. Just think of what you can do with it. The next day, I went to my mother and I said, Mom, guess what I've decided to do? (laughs) She goes, what now, Terry? I go, I'm going to go to the university. And she goes, well, I'm not going to help you. You figure it out. And I go, okay, I will. Two weeks later, I was at the university. Four years later, a bachelor's degree. A couple of years after that, a master's degree. And it wasn't that my mother was trying to hold me back, she just didn't know what to do with me. She was more into kind of, you know, like the big party scene at the bar and the restaurant and all of that. And I was a little different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what I learned from Grandma Helga in the way that she would presence herself, there were certain things that she did, some self-care. She would nurture herself by what she read, um, having the ladies over to have, card party, and she would also set healthy boundaries, and I learned that that was such an important aspect of who she was, and so that began a journey for me going on to accomplish um, and live a, a life of possibilities that I m- might not otherwise have lived, had it not been for somebody really listening to me, really hearing you know, my inner angst and being able to hold the space for possibilities.
0: Well, it's pretty incredible what you have achieved. And I know that you've had the honor of leading national human centered design teams and you've done so much. And you've worked with the Obama administration at the White House, not only once, but twice you did that. What was that like? How did you end up at the White House?
1: Right, so I was an expert consultant and The main client that we had was the U.S. Department of Labor. And there was this beautiful uh, initiative where really all across the nation, uh, government was being challenged to to really step up in a level of innovation. And so there was competition to to apply to be part of this. And human-centered design uh, and design thinking, if you're not familiar with what that is, what it has at the heart of it is empathy. So you have conversations and you engage in empathy and you find out their perspective and you use that to adjust how you are providing services and really get insights to what your uh, experience is by those that you are serving. And so I was a a coach, an expert coach for teams from across the nation and several of my teams got selected to go to the White House, not once, but twice. And so we showcased these really spectacular examples of best practices and innovation. And there were some really heart-wrenching stories that can be told from that. I think maybe I'll share one. Please do. Right, so uh, one of our teams was working with those that were just as involved and they were getting ready to re-enter into society and of course workforce development would be part of that. So when they went to interview the inmates, what they found, you know, they were thinking of how can we, you know, look at skills and abilities and make matches with with occupational possibilities. And what they found was that when they were released, if they did not have resources, they were released and they were given a paper jumpsuit to wear. And that's how they were entering into the world. And so that was heart wrenching. I remember when uh, we were at, you know, at the White House event, and that white paper jumpsuit was held up, there was just a gasp. And you know, the image were saying was, please don't, don't release me in that there's no way I'm going to succeed. So the bright spot to all of this is, with that insight, the policies were you know, flipped on their ear and changes were made. And so that actually kind of inspired me because I thought, look, just empathy can make that big of a difference in that setting. And then I reflected upon what helped me to thrive (laughs) despite the odds and just really got clear on, there are major missing pieces in how we are communicating. And so that's when I went deep inside and I said, what is it? What is it? And the five elements of soulful listening emerged from that position. And I I was, you know, I was motivated beyond just the recognition of the power. It was the fact that even pre-COVID, uh, there's a study by Cigna that indicated that half of the American population are lonely and the hardest hit or our youth.
0: That's so sad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's just—it's wrenching. It was wrenching, and the uh, health implication would be equivalent of smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. And so I, I kind of faced myself and did, did a little soul searching as how can I how can I know what I know and have the experience that I've had, and remain silent. And so the first element or one element of soulful listening is self-care. And you rarely hear if ever the connection between the importance of self-care with how we communicate with one another. And when you think of, you know, you I'm sure you've heard the saying you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. That's so true. That's so true. And so, uh it's not just a bubble bath, although that could be one thing. But it's really how are we talking to ourselves? You know, how are we, you know, are we resting? Are we are we nourishing our bodies in a way that brings forth our best? You know, are we kind of monitoring what we're watching on the news or TV? All of those things just kind of roll into the self-care. Because when we have self-care, we can really bring forth the best version of ourself into any situation, including meaningful conversation. And so then the second element is becoming fully present, which is what mindfulness is all about. You know, it's, it's so easy to be distracted. And, you know, maybe we're flipping through our phone, maybe we're doing the laundry list of the multitude of things that we have before us, whatever it may be, that takes away from connecting with another human being. So to become fully present. And and to me, when we take care of ourselves and become fully present, we bring a quality of grace into every interaction. And that holds the space for almost miraculous moments to be generated. Yeah.
0: And what's the third element?
1: The third one is, it's a, it's a hybrid. It's kind of like if empathy and active listening had a child, it would be this component of soulful listening. So it is, you know, really, I, I love this Native American poem that, that to me describes um, empathy, and it's walk a mile in my moccasins for two full moons so you know where they pinch. Again, walk a mile in my moccasin for two full moons so you know where they pinch yeah and then active listening you know you're echoing back so you're getting confirmation that a person you're actually hearing what another individual is really meaning to say and so when you blend those together you know it really brings a higher level of communication it just does it just does. And then the fourth, the fourth element, I kind of call that the secret sauce, uh, it's inspired action. And that may sound, you may go, what, what does that mean? And what that means is when you engage in this kind of a conversation, it's likely that you'll get insights. Either insights into what another person is needing, or maybe insights to where you can be that helping hand that they've been looking for that they don't know how to ask for and and so i'm sure you've walked away from you know really good conversations where a person is nodding you feel like you were heard you part ways and nothing more happens it, it just falls flat it isn't the complete picture and then the fifth element just ties it all together and that, i call it the feedback loop and that's when you let another person know that you've taken action on their behalf no strings attached you're just walking alongside them in a way that is helpful. And, you know, we, we, at our very core, we as human beings thrive when we feel seen and heard and supported by others, that is how we are designed to be at our optimum. And so I'm wondering if, you know, maybe sharing a personal story tying all of this together might be helpful.
0: Yeah. It would be great to hear a personal story that you can share with us where you know, you've used these elements and it's really helped you to connect.
1: Right. Okay. So I'm going to tell a family story. And so I was a, a single mom to my son from the time he was 10 years old on. And I've always interacted with him in the way that I'm describing. It just didn't have a name for it. But I had it modeled. And so, you know, we, we repeat what we see modeled. And uh, so he was 15 at the time. And we always, you know, we always had these great conversations. And so I was kind of like tuning in and uh, said, Jacob, what do you want for your after high school experience? And at 15, he says, mom, I'd like to go someplace strong in math and science. And if I could play on the football team, a good football team, is there a place that has both? You know, we're in the cornfields of Nebraska (laughs) and 15 years old, you know, announcing this, this vision. And... I simply said, I'm sure there are, I'll check. And so I did, and this Southern school kept popping up and popping up and popping up. And so I went to him and I said, you know, people are saying this school, he goes, well, we should go. (laughs) And so before the end of his um, sophomore year, I think he had just turned 16, we went to the Southern school I made cold calls. I was by myself, didn't know really what to do. And so we talked to coaches, talked to some students. A couple days later, we're in a park and he looks down at me from his six five perch and says, mom, I feel like I belong here. Wow. Wow. And that was it. And I didn't even know how I was gonna pay for a plane ticket to get us there or feed a 300 pound behemoth man-child, but it all came together. You know, Somehow the universe supports ideas when, when you um, set them in motion. But anyway, so that's how it all ties together. So at the moment when, when Jacob announced his vision, if I had shut it down, imagine, And I didn't do any of the work that he did. I'm not going to claim that. You know, he put in the grueling hours to uh, develop his body and skills and mind. I did not do that. I walked alongside him. So he had a partner in his journey. And I think that that is when we optimize our own personal experience, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in a romantic relationship, whether it be with a parent and child.
0: Wow, so that's an incredible story. And so, How's Jacob doing now? Is he still there at university or what?
1: Uh, he he graduated long ago and then he went on and coached at the collegiate level and then found that he wanted more science. And so he is now going to finish up his doctorate in physical therapy in the spring. And he's simultaneously working on a PhD in rehabilitation science. So he's on his path and it's it's fun to watch him.
0: That's so exciting, and you know, I want to ask you. Not being from the U.S., so when you say a Southern school, you mean Southern U.S., Southern United States?
1: Yes, yes. I'm sorry, I did not complete that. Uh, Georgia Tech. Okay. He actually was the first boy to be recruited out of Nebraska to play for Georgia Tech, and so for for in the football world, um, when the coach told me that when we were there, I go. He goes. We don't recruit out of Nebraska, and I'm going. Okay, <laughs> and why is that? He goes because we can't compete. But mm-hmm. now that they have, now that they had met Jacob, and he, um, you know, like he showed, he showed them what they were might be interested in, um, it, it played out in a very beautiful way.
0: Oh, that's a fantastic story! Wow.
1: Thank you. Well, it's you know, it's the magic of of really supporting one another and being there and and not when you're having a conversation it's it's not as though you are trying to manipulate the conversation i think that's a really important distinction
0: yeah i do too
1: yeah going into a conversation and you know i'll use an example you know sometimes we can have a script in our head that we play out he's going to say this i'm going to say that he's going to say this and this is kind of going to end okay let's begin the conversation (laughs) that goes nowhere yeah, that
0: goes nowhere. Well, I want to go back to your, to your five elements of soulful listening, and uh, that first one that you talked about, self care, and that's sometimes one of the most difficult ones, I think. You know, because we think we should be pouring ourselves into others, and that it's that it's selfish to be taking care of ourselves. So let's talk more about that. How can we put more focus on ourselves and taking care of ourselves without feeling selfish?
1: I you know, I think a really fundamental starting block is recognizing how valuable that is to others that you love. When you take care of yourself, that is a gift actually that you're giving not only to yourself, you're giving it to others because you have more of yourself to give to others when you are filled up. And, you know, when you ask such an important question, it's how can, you know, how can we get started? What are the, you know, what's the first step that we can take? And I would just suggest make a small step. And while, and you may already be engaged in self-care activities. I would just encourage you to say to yourself, I'm, I'm doing something for self-care right now. And it may be, you know, going for a long walk it may be taking a couple of deep breaths in the middle of a stressful moment. It may be preparing a beautiful, healthy meal. And just while you're eating it, just go, oh, this is this is good for me. I'm just feeling better already by doing this. Or maybe you have time for like a, a two-minute meditation. Who doesn't have two minutes if we choose to take those two minutes? And then add on to it you know and maybe it would be setting healthy boundaries that's self care
0: definitely and since you mentioned meditation what does meditation look like for you terry
1: you know it, it there are a variety of ways that i meditate. I've been meditating for a very long time. I think that it is part of what has sustained me through some bumpy roads along the way.
0: Did you meditate among all that noise when you were upstairs in that mansion? Did you meditate then?
1: I was such a such a child. You know, I was a child at the time. What I did do, though, what I found helped me to like keep it together, basically, was to step out in nature. You know, there's this one particular tree that I love to be around. And in the spring, there were these lilac bushes that would bloom. And so I found that that helped to ground me and keep me, you know, in tune to me. I ha- and I had, you know, really good friends, you know, throughout my life, which is, have been just extraordinary blessings. And so did I meditate? I probably didn't realize I was. I might have called it just being quiet and not recognize what it was. And so now uh, the meditation can be, you know, like a sit down, actually conscious meditating. Uh, it may be a guided one, although not so much. I, music tends to be a little bit, you know, better for me for some reason. And then, what I'll do throughout the day is just do this, and everybody can join me along. And it would be I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. And just that simple three breaths, and nobody even needs to know that it has just happened. I can already I can feel a shift right now.
0: Yeah, I can too. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's it's that simple, it's that functional, you know, sometimes just being honest about what can I what can I incorporate and and that would go along with the self-care. And maybe the self-care would be three simple breaths that you're aware you're breathing in and you're breathing out anytime throughout the day. And this, just recognize you're doing something very, very important and really good for you and others that you love.
0: And right now, during we're experiencing COVID. And of course, we'll look back on this years from now and we will kind of think differently about it. But what can we do about anxiety and stress that we're experiencing right now?
1: I, You know, certainly what we just spoke of. And that would be, you know, the... The breathing and the meditating and, you know, if you can go for a walk, you know, movement is really valuable. You know, we can go into the science of that, but we really don't need to. It's just a matter of, you know, if you're at home, if you're, you know, like really kind of confined and you feel confined, you know, kind of breaking breaking the energy and getting up in a different environment. I think that would be one One helpful thing, Uh, you know, and the soulful listening could be listening to yourself. You know, am I feeling agitated? You know, whatever I'm feeling and feelings are meant to be felt. It it becomes a little, you know, a little harmful if you hold on to them for too long. But, you know, just, oh, that's that's kind kind of got triggered a little bit here and, you know, breathe through it and and realize maybe maybe an important conversation needs to happen. And sometimes that will clear the air and bring a whole new dynamic into into our interactions with with people.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you, Terry, a question about bullying. I've worked in this for quite some time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference?
1: You know, I do. And it would be back from my uh, my family. I had like sibling bullying with an older brother. And... Uh, it would have been helpful to have those skills and tools at my disposal at that time. I fortunately, you know, later developed them and got to a place where I could have an understanding that, that those actions were from a place of pain within him. And with that comes, you know, like a, a soothing balm of, of love that can surround it all. But at that moment when that was happening, that was rough. That was rough. The bullying's rough, and it knocks uh, your self-esteem to the ground. And it certainly a lot of self-doubt can can creep in when that sort of thing happens. So I applaud the work that you do. It's important.
0: Yeah, and especially when it's a sibling, that's particularly devastating, isn't it?
1: It was. It was. And you know, and when you're around it, you think that that is just how it is. You know, you don't realize that that there's a different way of being and when you grow up and become an adult or even along the way you can realize you have a different choice you can make different choices in how you treat others and yourself
0: right i hope that has worked out to be a more positive relationship now
1: yes yes you know it took it took <laughs> it took what it yeah. took <laughs>
0: Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Terry. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life?
1: I would say my grandma Helga. Uh, Yeah, she just is. um, You know, I experienced her as a person that listened in a way that nobody else had. Yeah. And and. I'm not the only one that had that experience of her. Uh, we were extraordinarily close, and others would say something similar about her as well.
0: And did she live in that mansion with you?
1: At the beginning she did because my my mother and she purchased this <laughs> this big building and neither one of them had any restaurant business but they turned it into this thriving thriving business. So she did for a while and then she she moved out and we still, you know, I would, would be able to walk over to her house, but she wasn't under the same roof.
0: Well, that's that's good to know that she was still close by and you could still be with her a lot. Yes. Yeah. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Terry?
1: It has given me the freedom to feel my emotions and letting them be what they are and letting them dissipate when the time was right. Yeah.
0: Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness.
1: It's essential. I mean, we just went through a, a brief experience, and that is just at the core of who all of us are. You know, without breath, there's no life.
0: Yes, absolutely. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be?
1: Oh, I still, I still like um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. It's a, it's a great one. Yeah, it
0: really is. It's an amazing book.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, we talk about it a lot on the show. And so many people have been moved by that book and Eckhart Tolle's story. It's quite incredible.
1: It is incredible. And then there's, you know, there's a, a book that is, you know, I mean, it's been around for a very, very long time. And by the title of it, you wouldn't think it would be one that would be connected to mindfulness. But it's Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. But there are some, there's some great life lessons in that book as well.
0: I totally agree. Yeah. Can you share an app which can help with mindfulness?
1: The one that I'm enjoying right now is Calm. Yeah, that's the name of it, Calm.
0: Yeah, it's a great app. Yeah. I'll put all of this in our show notes, Mindful Tribe at mindfulnessmode.com. So just go there and you'll see all of this in the show notes. So, Terry, it's so wonderful to talk to you and to hear about your journey. What next? What are you working on right now? What are some of your exciting projects or things that you're moving forward with?
1: Right. One of the things I'm moving forward with is, you know, the foundation for a book. So that is on its way. I uh, just did a really, really amazing, um, you know, web, WebEx that was uh, conducted out of Nice, France. And there were five different countries on that on that event. And so that just kind of helped me to reaffirm that this kind of message is global. Yeah. So, so I'm looking at, you know, how I might reach out a little bit further. I've written an article that'll be published in, in January. So all of those sorts of things and speaking with you has just been amazing.
0: Well, I would say the same thing. And I know that we can find you at soulfullistening.com. Is there anything else we should know about how we can connect with you, Terry?
1: That is really probably the best way. And there's, a, there's an email address on the website. So if there is a reason that you would want to reach out to me that way, I would welcome, welcome that as well
0: soulfullistening.com. So check it out, Mindful Tribe. Terry, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight.
0: Right. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us here on Mindfulness Mode today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And hey, check out the show notes, mindfulnessmode.com. And if you subscribe and review, that really helps Mindfulness Mode check out the waves of content guided meditation that i've recorded just for you mindful tribe go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash waves of content that's a free download just for you a waves of content guided meditation so mindful tribe take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode